the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider. Because of recent exciting news from the Jesuit-run Vatican Observatory, in the interview segment, I'm offering a special on the observatory. Well, what's the news? In February, the observatory announced that the Working Group for Small Bodies Nomenclature of the International Astronomical Union published their latest batch of named asteroids, and that includes three Jesuit astronomers and a pope. The Vatican is a prestigious member of the IAU. The Pope was Ugo Boncompagni, the 16th century Pope Gregory XIII, who directed the reform of the calendar, the Gregorian calendar used worldwide today, and who began the tradition of papal astronomers and observatories. The February observatory statement noted that the four asteroids, or minor planets, all have connections to the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. In fact, over 30 asteroids now bear the name of Jesuits. Now, some of the top news stories of the week in the Vatican. Sunday, March 12th. At the Angelus, Pope Francis reflected on the day's gospel about Jesus, who is thirsty, and the Samaritan woman at the well, who gives him water. He said, The Lord is thirsty for our love, as he promises to give us living water that makes eternal life overflow within us. In post-Angelus remarks, Francis announced the 2023 24 Hours for the Lord Prayer Initiative that starts Friday evening, March 17th, and this is dedicated to adoration and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Recalling last year's act of consecration of Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, with its special prayer for peace, the Holy Father called on the faithful to remain united in faith and solidarity, especially with all those suffering from war. Pope Francis began 24 Hours for the Lord in the first year of his papacy. During the event, churches around the world remain open for an entire day to offer the faithful and pilgrims the opportunity to pause in adoration and go to confession. Monday, March 13th. This marked the 10th anniversary of the election of Francis to the papacy. He concelebrated Mass with many cardinals in the chapel of the Santa Marta residence. No photos were made public, nor was the Pope's homily released. It was a holiday in the Vatican, but celebrated around the world with special Masses for the Holy Father's anniversary, his pontificate, and his intentions. For this anniversary, Vatican media prepared what they call a Popecast, in which Pope Francis said, For my anniversary, I would like peace. He also recounted how we never imagined he would be the Pope at the time of the Third World War, a war he says is happening in bits and pieces. Among other memories, he said his most beautiful memory was the meeting with the elderly people in St. Peter's Square. Tuesday, March 14th, Pope Francis sent a letter to the Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani, spiritual leader of Iraqi Shiites, in which he recalled their fruitful meeting two years earlier during the papal visit to Iraq, and the Pope encouraged him to promote fraternity among believers as a concrete response to today's challenges. Also Tuesday, 
In a message dated March 8th, Pope Francis offered words of encouragement to participants taking part in the Second Latin American Congress on the Prevention of Abuse, with a focus on effective handling of sexual abuse cases. Calling participants apostles of prevention, he encouraged their efforts, including the newly inaugurated Center for Studies on Human Dignity and Prevention of Abuse in Asuncion, Paraguay, a national focal point dedicated to this purpose. Francis said their work in favor of protection of the most vulnerable is urgent and essential and a reflection of how the local church is acting. Also Tuesday, Pope Francis sent a message to the 26th public session of the Pontifical Academies, in which he wrote that artistic and architectural creativity must also draw inspiration from the liturgical life of the Church and the action of the Holy Spirit, rather than merely from human preferences. Wednesday, March 15th. The Holy Father at the Weekly General Audience in St. Peter's Square told pilgrims, In our continuing catechesis on missionary zeal, we now consider the apostolic dimension of evangelization. In the creed, we profess the church is apostolic. An apostle, he said, is literally one who is sent. In the scriptures, we read that Jesus chose the twelve apostles, called them to himself, and then sent them forth to proclaim the gospel. And Francis asked, But are we aware that being apostles concerns every Christian? Are we aware it concerns each one of us, all of us, priests, religious, lay people? Indeed, we are required to be apostles, that is to say envoys, in a church that in the creed we profess as apostolic. Thursday, March 16th, Pope Francis received a delegation of the United Association of Humanistic Buddhism of Taiwan and he highlighted how, at a time marked by a continued acceleration of changes affecting humanity and the planet, religions are called more than ever to foster fraternity by promoting a culture of encounter, especially among the young. Friday, March 17th. This began with the third sermon for Lent, 2023, delivered by Cardinal Raniero Cantalamessa, preacher of the papal household, to Pope Francis and the Roman Curia. It focused on love of God for his people. Also Friday, the Pope received members of the Congregation of St. Joseph, also known as Josephites, on the 150th anniversary of their foundation by St. Leonardo Murialdo. He highlighted three aspects of their apostolate, the primacy of God's love, attentiveness to the changing world, and the paternal gentleness of charity. Also on Friday, the Holy Father welcomed the bishops of Burundi on their ad limina visit. In late afternoon, Francis left for the Church of Santa Maria delle Grazie in Rome's Triomphale neighborhood to open the 24 Hours for the Lord prayer initiative. Well, those are the week's news highlights, but now, refill your coffee cup and stay tuned for my special on the Vatican Observatory. He was a scholar, a preacher, a Capuchin Franciscan, and a defender of Christendom. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Lawrence of Brindisi was one of the most respected preachers in the 17th century, but he also helped raise an army against the Ottoman Turks when they invaded Hungary in 1601. He led the troops to victory against the Turks, carrying only a crucifix. He was declared a Doctor of the Church in 1959. To find out more about the Doctors of the Church, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism.
wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register, EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Have you ever heard someone say, all religions are basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. The religions of the world do not greatly differ in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. There's only one religion that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He suffered and died for our sins, that He rose from the dead. Only one religion that believes in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Spend more time with the Apostle of Common Sense. Visit Chesterton.org for more information and go to EWTNRC.com to discover more books and programs written and inspired by G.K. Chesterton. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider and to the special I've prepared this weekend that I call the Vatican's Room with the Heavenly View. In fact, it's all about the Vatican Observatory. On August 21, 2017, there was a rare total solar eclipse in parts of the United States, and among the millions who watched this eclipse were a good number of Vatican astronomers. The Jesuits who staff and run the Vatican Observatory, also known as the Specola. They watched from Castro Gandolfo, from Tucson, Arizona, and Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Yes, Kentucky, as that's where American brother Guy Consolmagno, the Jesuit director of the Vatican Observatory since 2015, watched events unfold as a guest of Saints Peter and Paul Parish. Many people at the time, and perhaps still today, were surprised to learn that the Vatican had an observatory and some of the most advanced telescopes in the world and a very long history to boot. I'll get to that in a minute. I've been to the Specula at Casa Gandolfo a number of times, and just for fun and for a news story, I attended a few of the VOSS summer courses there. VOSS stands for Vatican Observatory Summer School. I only spent one day on those occasions, listening to talks, sharing picnic lunches with students on the terraces of the Papal Palace, and one day I even did well in a pop quiz. I'd like to start this story with a tribute to Father George Coyne, who directed the Vatican Observatory from 1978 to 2006. He died in February this year at the age of 87. He was the first person to take me under his wing, so to speak, at the observatory, and the first to invite me to attend summer school sessions. Father Coyne was named director of the observatory at the age of 45. Something I learned from his bio on the observatory webpage was that he was one of a few appointments made during the very brief papacy, less than a month, of John Paul I. Father Coyne served until he was 73, the longest term of any observatory director. During his tenure as director, Father Coyne oversaw the modernization of the observatory's role in the world of science, 
welcoming onto its staff a number of young Jesuit astronomers from around the world, including Africa, Asia, and South America. Under his leadership, the Vatican Observatory Research Group was established at the University of Arizona, and in collaboration with the university, he made possible the construction of the VATT, Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, with the world's first spin-cast mirror on Mount Graham in Arizona. Father Coyne was succeeded in 2006 by Father Jose Funes, and in 2015, Brother Guy was named Directory of the Observatory. I've known Brother Guy for a number of years and have interviewed him on several occasions for Vatican Insider. We're trying to coordinate our schedule so I can visit the new location of the Specola offices, classrooms, and museum on the Casta Gandolfo property. The Vatican telescopes, however, remain at the original Papal Palace. And five years ago, I had a truly serendipitous encounter with Vatican astronomers in Hawaii. At the start of my 2015 vacation, on my flight to Honolulu from Los Angeles, I was seated next to David Chardi, an astronomer from Caltech University. He told me that the IAU, the International Astronomical Union, was holding the 29th General Assembly in Honolulu. This was a two-week-long meeting that brought together over 2,500 astronomers from 75 countries around the world, including Vatican City State. Brother Guy was kind enough to send me the names of the Jesuit astronomers who were at this meeting, and I was able to interview Father Chris Corbali for Vatican Insider. The observatory has a fascinating website, and I love the title of one article on the site, For Heaven's Sake, Papal Astronomers Promote Harmony of Science and Faith. Now, a bit of history about the Vatican Observatory. When popes spent the summer period at the Apostolic Palace at Castel Gandolfo, one of the many hill towns or Castelli Romani southeast of Rome, they enjoyed cooler air, a slower pace of life, and a view of lovely and placid Lake Albano that fills an old volcanic crater, as well as the beautiful sprawling hills that surround it. The palace at Castel Gandolfo also offers popes another more spectacular view, should they so wish, a view of the universe through the telescopes of the twin observatory towers atop the pontifical residence. The specula, as the Vatican Observatory is also called, is not only one of the most highly respected observatories in the world, but is actually one of the oldest astronomical institutes dating back to 1582, when Pope Gregory XIII formed a committee to look at the scientific data and ramifications involved in a reform of the calendar. One of the committee members, Father Christoph Clavius, a Jesuit mathematician from the Roman College, wrote books favoring this reform, and, with some of his brother Jesuits interested in astronomy, confirmed studies done by Galileo. Astronomy for centuries was considered the queen of sciences. As Father Clavius wrote in 1570, astronomy uses geometrical and arithmetic demonstrations, which, in agreement with the opinion of all philosophers, arrives at the first degree of certitude. Astronomy thus became a subject of great interest to the papacy, and in ensuing centuries, Roman pontiffs founded three observatories, that of the Roman College, the Observatory of Capitoline Hill, and the Specola Vaticana in the Tower of the Winds in the Vatican. Telescopes in the Vatican occupied different locations over the years. 
1935, the specula was moved to Castel Gandolfo because the light emanating from the city of Rome was too strong to allow for accurate observation and research from within the city. For the same reasons, a new telescope was built in Arizona in 1993. The Vatican's state-of-the-art VATT, Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope, is located on Emerald Peak at an altitude of 3,200 meters in the Mount Graham mountain chain. This is northeast of Tucson, Arizona. The telescope became operative in 1993 when the Vatican, in collaboration with Stewart Observatory at the University of Tucson in Arizona, used new technology in making the telescope mirror, thus entering the era of the advanced technology telescopes. The telescope was made by using a rotating furnace which shortened the construction time and offered a mirror that was lighter in weight than its predecessors. This method of making mirrors has been used with great success ever since. Pope Pius XI, in a speech on September 29, 1935, at the new observatory in Castel Gandolfo, gave it a motto, Deum Creatorum Venite Adoremus, Come, let us adore God the Creator. He said he rejoiced in being present at the, quote, inauguration of this new and, might we say, improved Vatican specula in this our residence at Caso Gandolfo. He also said it's quite well known that the Supreme Roman Pontiffs have for many centuries needed astronomy and have called on it to help in the placement of holy temples and especially in the calculation of the date of Easter. Pope Leo XIII is actually credited with refounding the Vatican specula over four decades earlier. In July 1890, he approved the directives for the specula vaticana and on March 14, 1891, promulgated the motu proprio ut mysticam as a mystery, writing that he wished to refute those who charged the church with being obscurantist and closed to scientific progress. Leo XIII said he intended to reinstitute the specula so that everyone might clearly see that the church and her pastors are not opposed to true and solid science, whether divine or human, but that they embrace it, encourage it, and promote it with the fullest possible dedication. And we desire, said the pontiff, that the specula be considered at the same level as the other pontifical institutes founded to promote the sciences. Successive Roman pontiffs have always supported the Vatican Observatory and its directors, who have always been priest scientists and for over a hundred years Jesuits. In fact, given the importance of their work, 35 lunar craters bear the names of Jesuit astronomers. The current director, as I said earlier, is American brother Guy Consolmagno, a native of Detroit who spends part of each year at the Caso Gandolfo headquarters, part of the year teaching astrophysics and doing research in Tucson, and sometime each year traveling and lecturing. He was named to this post by Pope Francis in 2015. Popes, and in a special way John Paul II, have not only supported the specula, but have written and spoken extensively on the science-faith dialogue. In an October 31, 1992 address to the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, Pope John Paul called the case of Galileo Galilei, condemned in the 17th century for his heliocentric theory, a case of tragic mutual incomprehension which now belongs to the past. The Pope was addressing the Academy on a report given by Cardinal Paul Poupard on the results of 11 years of work 
by a special commission established by John Paul in July 1981 to study and definitively resolve the Galileo case. The year 1992 marked the 350th anniversary of Galileo's death. Saying the Galileo case was shelved, John Paul added, The underlying problems of this case concern both the nature of science and the message of faith. In Galileo's time, he declared, the majority of theologians did not recognize the distinction between sacred scripture and its interpretation, and this led them to transpose into the realm of the doctrine of the faith a question which, in fact, pertained to scientific investigation. Though the main body of astronomical observations and research is done today in Arizona, the Apostolic Palace at Costa Gondolfo remains the headquarters of the Vatican Observatory. Before it moved to a new site in the Papal Gardens in 2009, the observatory staff worked out at the top floors of the Apostolic Palace, right above the private rooms of the Papal residence. In 2003, the final days of the 2003 Astronomy Summer School sessions in the Apostolic Palace coincided with the first days of Pope John Paul's vacation at Castel Gandolfo. Never had such a group been at the Papal residence while the Holy Father was also there and the 26 students in attendance expressed awe at the thought of studying in the Pope's home. Father Coyne, the then director of the Specula, called this a first. In 2009, the Specula moved from the summer papal residence to new headquarters in the papal gardens at Castel Candolfo. A former convent, the building was specifically remodeled with the needs of the Specula in mind, and spaces divided into three areas. The first is the ground floor and public area and workspace, offices, libraries, labs, and a small museum of historic scientific equipment and a valuable meteorite collection. The second space is an area used primarily by the Vatican Observatory summer schools, and the third space, of course, is the living area for the Jesuit astronomers, including the community chapel. Among precious objects in the museum is a valuable mineral collection that includes pieces going back four and a half billion years. A piece of moon rock brought back to the Earth in 1972 by the Apollo 17 mission, and fragments of meteorites from Mars. Though the interior is completely new, the building itself dates back to 1631 the same year that Princess Caterina Savelli of Albano built a convent for the Clarice sisters, now known as the Poor Clares, on this site. During the Napoleonic Wars, sometime between 1791 and 1810, this building was sacked by French troops. With the unification of Italy in 1870, the convent was closed and the sisters moved into the palace in Castel Gandolfo, along with a community of Basilian nuns who had been exiled from the part of Poland then controlled by Russia. In 1929, with the signing of the Lateran Treaty, the two groups of sisters were able to move back into their old quarters, now incorporated within the gardens. The building again was subject to the ravages of warfare in 1944. Following the invasion of Anzio by the Allies and their slow march up the coast to Rome, the building was hit twice, on February 1st and February 10th, 1944. After the war, Pope Pius XII approved the reconstruction of the convent. The building was also damaged during an earthquake in 1989. Repairs and restructuring of the building were completed in 1998. 
In 2007, work began to completely restructure the end of the building that belonged to the Bazillion sisters who had left the premises to match the needs of the astronomers. After two years of extensive work, the new Specola headquarters was dedicated by Pope Benedict XVI on September 16, 2009. The Clarice sisters continue their prayer and work in the northwestern end of the building. The observatory holds summer school sessions every two years. The last one in which students and teachers could actually meet in person was in June 2018. A distance learning 2020 Voss session was scheduled and is on the website. The Voss 2018 summer school trained the next generation of researchers on the marvels of big data, time domain astrophysics, and variability surveys. Among the many themes discussed, theory of stellar pulsation and evolution, pulsation and evolutionary properties of radial variables, stellar kinematics, radial velocities, and proper motions. I don't know if any one of those mean anything to you, but they certainly are interesting. Pope Francis on Friday, May 12, 2017, greeted participants in a conference organized by the Vatican Observatory entitled Black Holes, Gravitational Waves, and Space-Time Singularities. The conference took place at the observatory in Castelcandolfo in the Roman Hills. I'm deeply appreciative of your work, said Francis, and I encourage you to persevere in your search for truth. For we ought never to fear truth, nor become trapped in our own preconceived ideas, but welcome new scientific discoveries with an attitude of humility. As we journey towards the frontiers of human knowledge, it is indeed possible to have an authentic experience of the Lord, one which is capable of filling our hearts. Now, as I mentioned earlier, of course, Brother Guy Consolmagno is the director of the Vatican Observatory. He is from Detroit. He earned undergraduate and master's degrees from MIT and a PhD in planetary science from the University of Arizona. He was also a postdoctoral research fellow at Harvard and MIT, served in the U.S. Peace Corps in Kenya, and taught university physics at Lafayette College before entering the Jesuits in 1989. Along with more than 200 scientific publications, he's the author of a number of popular books, including Turn Left at Orion and Would You Baptize an Extraterrestrial? He also has hosted science programs for BBC, Radio 4, has been interviewed in numerous television documentary films, and for more than 10 years wrote a monthly science column for the British Catholic magazine, The Tablet. Dr. Consolmagno's work has taken him to every continent on Earth. For example, in 1996, he spent six weeks collecting meteorites with the NASA team on the blue ice regions of East Antarctica. In 2000, the Small Bodies Nomenclature Committee of the IAU named an asteroid, 4597 Consolmagno, in recognition of his work. In 2014, he received the Carl Sagan Medal from the American Astronomical Society Division for Planetary Sciences for Excellence in Public Communication in Planetary Sciences. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.